Welcome, you are on The Creactivist, featuring inspiring conversations with creative outsiders pioneering the new economy. I am Miriam Crété, giving a voice to the creative activist. So how to introduce you, Martin? You've done so many amazing things. I would say you're a spiritual leader, if you agree with that. You're a speaker, you. a consultant, an international best-selling author, known for uh, chicken soup for soul at work. And you sold over one million copies of that book. It's an amazing, amazing figures. And your latest enterprise, Project Heaven on Earth, which then I would say you're a heaven maker. So Thank you, Mary. Today, I would love to, to start with, with saying that you brought, you're known to have brought spirituality in the workplace. Yes. So that's, that must have been task. So my first question to you, Martin, is how one starts by doing that? Well, a, a little bit of my background. I grew up in a, I'd say a lower middle class family in Canada, in Hamilton, which is a, a steel city. Uh, my parents were immigrants from Europe. And uh, I can remember sitting on the front porch of my house in the summer, uh, I would read two or three newspapers a day. And I always had this idea that I was here to change the world. And um, it was very normal, like your name is Miriam. It just it never dawned on me that it was unusual. That's just what I was supposed to do. So you were already an enlightened soul then? I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I just tell you the way it was. I don't know if I was enlightened. Uh, the, uh, I'll leave it to you to say. Uh, so I went to, you know, university, psychology. Um, I, I worked um, for the federal government in Canada on this innovative new program on, uh, to prevent uh, drug abuse. Um, and then I met a man <clears throat> at a yoga retreat in Michigan. And um, he was doing this program called Lifestyle Management, which was a personal development course combined with setting goals. And he talked to me about things like commitment and responsibility and creating uh, goals beyond what you even believed possible. All these things I'd never, ever heard of before. And I just knew that there was something there. He was in Chicago, um, uh, former vice president of a hospital that had quit and, and with his business partner started this business. And so I flew to Chicago, took the course. And Miriam, I just knew that was for me. I came back to Canada. I'd been working for the federal government and, uh, and I quit and I started a business. I didn't know, I mean, nothing about business. Right. Nothing, nothing, nothing. That was <clears throat> but I knew that I, <clears throat> it, you know, in, in hindsight, it was courageous, but at the time it was just, that's what my soul wanted to do. And so um, I did it and I started, uh, I brought him up to give these courses and then he trained me to do the courses and then, I got into speaking and consulting each time. I, mean, I didn't know what, I'd never done speaking, I'd never done consulting, but people saw something in me that was a value about vision. Um, and then I did, oh, a good 20, 30 years on vision, working with very large corporations in the US, um, Marion Merrill Dow, Consumer Pharmaceuticals, Virgin Records, Sony Pictures. I spoke four times at the Harvard Business School on vision. But and I came back from Hong Kong on a trip there once, 
and something happened in me and I, I didn't know what it was. It was like the, these two pieces of wood were separated. <coughs> Excuse me. And I, it wasn't my wife. My marriage was great. My work was great, but something was bothering me. So I ended up at a monastery north of Toronto and I had a very profound uh, spiritual experience where I heard the, the sentence, it's about God. And I just, it just went boink. And I went back and said, I want to start working on spirituality and work. And I had no idea, Miriam, what I was talking about from the mind, but I, I knew from my soul, this was what was needed. Right. And that's, that's an, another question I have for you. It's, we talk particularly this day and, you know, it, it seems trend, a trend while obviously consciousness is not new and spirituality is not new. Religion is not new. So for, for people who are starting on this journey, how would you define and we define how would you say what's the difference between consciousness, spirituality, people confuse it with religion. What, what's your take on that? What's your, your view? Let me tell you how I began. When I began to talk then about spirituality and work, people said exactly what you're saying now. Oh, you can't say that. You can't talk about spirituality. People will think, you know, you, you've got some hidden religious, you want to impose this on us, which wasn't true. I mean, I had not, I just wanted to talk about spirituality and work. And so I began to, to think about well, what's the issue? The issue here being people are afraid that I'm going to try to impose a particular point of view. This is spirituality. I know what it is and you don't, mm -hmm. which is not true. And, but I, I, this little click went off in my head and I said, you're a business person. Every day in business, you are in this inquiry. What is spirit? What is, how do I make my business more profitable? You ask that question every day. How do I make my business more successful? It's ongoing. No matter how many answers you get, you still are in the ongoing inquiry. And that's what I saw as spirituality in the workplace, if you chose. For some people, it was religion. For some people, it was not religion. I didn't care. I wanted to know what it was for you and how you could bring that into this place called work. Because I could do it at home, I could do it at, in places of spiritual practice, synagogue, mosque, church, spiritual group, but I <clears throat> heard you can't do this in work. And so I wanted to make that conversation acceptable in the workplace. And the first thing you do is to say, it's okay not to do it. Mm -hmm. and, and, and the second thing is I want to know what it is from you. So when people ask me to define it, as you just did, I would say, I'm not going to. <laughs> so I'm not going to get an answer on my question. <laughs> and well, because if I give you an answer, this is spirituality, the chances are it won't agree with what it is for you. And, and if you agree with me, fine. And if you disagree, fine. But we haven't moved anything. But if I say, no, 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 the question is, what is it for you? <clears throat> then we're off to the races, then we can begin. I remember one woman said, I did a, a lecture in a, in a company, and she said, spirituality in the workplace is better drinks in the soft drink dispenser. And I said, what? <laughs> Explain that, how? Well, Martin, <clears throat> if you drink terrible drinks, you know, full of sugar and, and junk, your body won't be healthy. And the body is, is the palace for, this, for the spirit. 
She had a so point. She had a point and she taught me that I can't define it for you because the chances are I'll be wrong, but you can define it for you. And once you define it for you, then you can begin however you begin. Well, so you made an interesting point about profitability, which obviously business is about. And we hear a lot about abundance and uh, tons and tons of books have been written about that, including Secret, The Law of Attraction. So how would you, how would you bring that notion of abundance in a world that seems to be very consumerist-centric to bring spirituality, perhaps? Because I think the purpose, if we're talking about business only, the purpose of business, excuse me, the second purpose of business is to make a profit. The first purpose of business is to be of service. Right. To the individual, to the company, to the employees, and more and more now to the planet. So by defining what those are for you and your business and your workplace, and then seeing how you can make money doing that, that's, for me, that's, that's heaven on earth. That's the way we need to have business. And we can see that as business more and more moves toward uh, corporate social responsibility, environmental impact, employee um, sexism, women in the work, all those issues which 20, 30 years ago, ah, who cares about that? That has nothing to do with, with business. Remember the line, the purpose of business is business? No more. Because mm -hmm. if, if the planet, if your community, if the planet doesn't work, your business can't work. And people are realizing that now. And on in, an individual point of view, you mentioned earlier, I felt, you didn't say that, but I felt you said, I felt at home when suddenly my, my two pieces met. Now... Oh. A lot of people and certainly a lot of viewers and readers of Présence Magazine are into searching the, the Graal, I would say, about your, your one life's purpose and one life's mission or one unique gift. It's not that we, we all have a unique gift. How do you know it's your gift? What, what, what would be your advice to, to find that that gift, your life mission from that gift that you've given? You know, it's an interesting question. Um, I was talking to a friend about a year ago, and, and, and he titled the interview that I did with him, Why Were You Born? Mm. And I love that question. Why were you born? Why are you here? For some people, for example, for me, it was very obvious from the beginning. <clears throat> Yesterday I was with, I was at this party watching a football game, and I met a man for the first time, and he knew since he was five years old that he was here to be a scientist. He knew. So some people know that right from the beginning. Great, go for that. And yep. some people, as you say, don't know that. So how do we begin to, to discern that? Well, how do you one, begin? Of, one of the things to look at is what don't you like to do? What, does not, what, does, uh, what makes your soul not come alive? Look at that, because that's a very important place to look. And the other place to look is what makes your soul come alive. Now, for some people, they think that what makes my soul come alive, <clears throat> it's not doing the work that I'm doing today. And so it's scary because I, I think I have to quit. 
Well, for some people, they do that and they're off. And for other people, it's a very gradual transition. They know you may have family responsibilities or responsibility to other employees. So you make a slow transition, but you hold the intention. What my life is about is what gives my soul, my spirit, juice, energy. Right. That's what I want to do. That's, that's what gives me. <clears throat> people say to me, well, aren't you retired? Retired? What do you, how can I be retired? I would just do what I'm doing now because I get a lot of energy from what I'm doing. Yeah, so the energy, you sense a vibrancy in it. And a question about another distinction that I'd like to ask you. For guidance, it's very confusing. Is it your ego? Is it your soul wanting you to do that? How do you practice that? It's a lovely Daily. question. And I think by silence, by being quiet, by turning the internet off, Um, I find that the, the time when I'm just lying in bed, my wife's asleep, for example, and I'm just lying there thinking it's perfectly quiet still. <clears throat> and I'm just thinking about the day I'm in touch with God for me. I have in, questions with my intuition. What's next? Where should I go? The other thing that I want to talk about, too, is holding the intention. More and more lately, Miriam, I'm, I'm beginning to see that when I hold an intention, Two things happen. One is I have to do what I do to move that intention forward. But the other, not but, and the other thing is these miracles start showing up, which I could never have imagined. Just so give, give us up. an example for that. What, what, do you, you call, what do you call holding an intention? Everybody knows what an intention is, but when you say hold an intention. Well, I'll tell you, my intention is that the new story of the world is we're experiencing and creating heaven on earth. Mm -hmm. so every day I do something about that, an interview. Um, I'm on Google Alerts, which tells me people all around the world who are doing the same thing. So I reach out to them. Some connect, some don't connect. But I keep moving it forward, moving it forward. Then there, that's holding the, the uh, intention and doing direct action. The other is holding the intention and just watching for the leverage points that show up. For example, I was doing a webinar with a group in Toronto and talking about heaven on earth. And one guy said, from Africa, from Gabon, I think, but he lives in Canada. And he said, ah, what if Africa was a heaven on earth continent? And I went, oh my God. So I could never have thought of that idea. I mean, it's not, I just never thought of it. So what I notice is when I put out the intention of heaven on earth and people get it, The creativity that comes forward, the new ideas, the new projects, the new actions that I could never have even imagined, boom, 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 they start to happen. Mm -hmm. So that's just holding the intention for heaven on earth and watching how it shows up every day. It has going, to be an everyday thing. Mm -hmm. I was going to say watching the universe opening your doors. Very well said. Yes. Martin, I would like you to, to tell me who, I'm sure many, but a moment or a person that really had a profound impact on your life that really made you see the world differently. Well, I was going to tell you about some major teachers like uh, Werner Erhard, like Bob Branscombe, but I want to tell you about a different thing. 
This was a man, I don't want to tell you his name, and you'll understand why. So I was in Toronto uh, in the early 80s, and I came, I'd heard about this idea of vision. You know, what's your vision? And in those days in Toronto, I mean, nobody was talking about it. I, I remember some friends saying, you can't use the word vision. People will think you're smoking marijuana. You've just moved here from California. Whereas today, if you say vision, nobody says anything. So I went to see this man who was the president of a very, very large development corporation, shopping centers, apartment buildings, condos. He was one of the main men in Toronto at those days. I told him that I wanted to work on vision. And he looked at me and said, Martin, that will never work. And I went, I, I used his name, I'll make up another name. I said, Bill, thank you. You're saying no, that will never work has just given me the impetus and the energy to go for it. So one of the things that I learned from him is if your soul speaks to you and wants you to do something that is resonant for your soul and the world says, no, you have to listen to the world, of course. And then you take it in, you go, no, I'm taking that no and turning it into energy to move this vision forward. Sorry, there's a little click. Still there? Well, it's when you were talking, almost like a bracelet is... Uh, yes, I know what's going on here. Ah. We could, can we cut, we cut this part out, right? Sure. All right. Um, so, be, yeah. So, Should you know... Whole answer again or... No, no, no. Okay. So you're not taking no for an answer is one of the advice. So it's, 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 I'd say it a little different. I would say don't look for only agreement for what your soul wants. If the world says no, that's not the way it should be. But your soul says yes. Listen to the world because it could be right. And if you think, no, that's not correct, go with your soul. It, because it, it's the universe testing you. Are you really serious about this? Mm -hmm. Do you really want to do this? Well, I don't think, you know, somebody can, I don't think you can do that. Oh, well, but that's what I want. Okay. Go so for I it. like your idea of turning no into the reverse on. Yes. Yeah? Oh, I never thought of that. I'm going to use that, Miriam. I love that. <laughs> ah, yes, me too. How do you activate personally your creativity? Um, I, I think I'm overly creative and in, in I mean, I have tons of ideas all the time. I'm also a printmaker, which, which I find very creative. I do a process called monotype in which you have only one, uh, print. Um, and I, I watch a lot of the arts, movies, music, um, opera, uh, painting. You know, we live for several months of the year in Santa Fe, New Mexico, which is a huge art city huge they sell three to four hundred million dollars worth of art here a year so you're always influenced by art 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 um I, i've never had a problem with creativity and that's a question as well um oh and no i, I actually another answer and i'm always curious curiosity is, is very big for me how does that Cur work i've never understood that explain that curiosity so, very very i'm always curious i want to know You know, how did you come to, to do this? So, for example, the scientist that I met yesterday, he um, does 
statistical physics. I had no idea what that is. So he gave me a little lecture on statistical physics or quantum computing is my other new little thing. I don't understand that. So I've, I've gone into trying to understand what that's about. So I like new ideas. I like people who are, who are generative, who are true innovators, you know, who, who, who see a problem in the world and go for the result for that problem. I yeah. love people who do that. And they are visionaries, right? So the word vision is important. One, yeah. last, one last question, because we could talk forever. forever. Um, I want to know, do you see a link between creativity and spirituality? Yes, very much so. That the source for me of creativity is spirituality, is God, is the divine. And it is a, it's a, 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 like a tap that's always on. You, you know, in English, there's a phrase, easy come, easy go. I always flip that. It's easy go, easy come. The mm. more you contribute, the more you give it away, the more new stuff comes in. Right. Okay. Um, we say... We say out of the darkness comes the more light. Do you agree with that? Um, I would put it for me the other way around, just light the candle in the dark, that the, the power of light is enormous versus dark, just enormous. Hmm. So to let your light shine. I remember somebody said to me years ago, you know, let your brightness shine. Uh, your brightness in, in English, brightness can mean either intelligence or light. Yes. Uh, I don't know if it's the same in French, but so to let your light shine in the world, that's why you're here. And you never brilliance. know how you're good. Brilliance, yeah. La même. So we, we, we come back to, yes, this inner, inner flame, inner gift that uh, certainly people who are watching you now are, are searching. So I would love to that you leave us with maybe a mantra, a phrase that you want to leave us with. Yeah, uh, yeah, I do. No, I didn't at the moment when you asked the question. So I just was thinking, yes, let your brilliance shine into the world. Mm, beautiful. And I'd say be inspired by the brilliance of others. Mm -hmm. Very nice. So we leave you on this brilliance, and I would say brilliance. Thank you. <laughs> Thank so you. we can find more about Martin Root on martinroot.com. Correct. Yes. And obviously... And my the, other project, and, and projectheavenonearth.com. Yeah, and that's those. interesting because we'll do another interview just on that specific book. So stay with us, and uh, you will... You will see that second interview with Martin Root on Heaven Project Heaven on Earth on Présence Magazine very soon. Thank you very much, Martin, and we'll see you again very soon. You were on The Creativist, activating the power of creativity for greater impact. Join us for more on thecreactivist.com.